story to tell you about his experience uh, working at the border, working actually in Mexico, um, and he's a frequent observer currently on the conditions on the border, and so I want to introduce him by this quick clip, clip seven. I believe we have clip seven, or we don't. Just starting out, how recently did you go down to the border? How and how long were you down there? I was there last week for a couple of days, and let me tell you, in my 20 years of uh, experience as a law enforcement officer, that I worked most of my career on the border and in Mexico, had never seen anything like this. You know, they they, they call it the crisis. It is a crisis beyond a crisis. It, it, it's a disaster. Please help me welcome Victor Avila. Thank you very much. Thank you, Debbie. I'm, I'm very, very honored to be here with all of you today. It's great to be amongst a bunch of patriots. It's a great feeling. I always take advantage when I have the opportunity to be before some uh, group speaking is to share the honor uh, and the memory of Special Agent Jaime Zapata. Then we're going to dive into the border. Clicker, clicker, clicker. Let's see. Can you see if it'll click next, please? One more. Victor, Victor, I'm We got a shot. We got a shot. We are on the highway of Querétaro, Mexico. We've been shot and attacked on the highway. I am an ICE special agent. What is your name, you said, sir? Victor Avila, please call Jerry Miles. I don't have another phone. So where did you look at please me? call Jerry Miles. We've been shot on the highway. Highway? What is the highway, sir? To where? Mexico, Querétaro. They know where I'm at. Uh, okay. Try to remain online, please. That was February 15, 2011. Ten years ago this past February. Special Agent Jaime Zapata and I were ambushed on Highway 57 on the way back from Monterey, Mexico to Mexico City, basically a botched assignment. Special Agent Jaime Zapata, remember that name, Jaime Zapata, paid the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his life for our country, defending our homeland against human traffickers, drug traffickers. He lost his life next to me there on that highway after being shot over 100 rounds by the Zeta cartel. I was shot three times, once in my chest, twice in my left leg, and I stand before you here by the grace of God. I apologize for the, uh, I'm gonna go really quick through these uh, slides as um, I write about the story in my book, Agent Under Fire, in detail uh, about the story, about my assignment in Mexico the corruption, and of course, you know, you, you saw the clip that, that Debbie played. Uh, we were calling it a crisis. It's not a crisis, ladies and gentlemen, anymore. It's an invasion down at the border. 
This is just some pictures of the suburban after uh, it was uh, shot up. Two of the weapons recovered after the arrest of the Zeta cartel members were part of Operation Fast and Furious, if you remember that, out of Phoenix. So needless to say, my family and I went through uh, some very dark days under the Obama-Biden administration because that's when this happened and they basically failed me and my family for being shot in the line of duty and for losing an agent in the line of, du in the line of duty as well. Some pictures of me working as an agent, but let's talk about this list that you see here. We have an, you talk about an epidemic we have one right now at our southern border, and this list that I write in my book, the second half of the book that I refer to as a manifesto, is attacking each and one of these issues that we face in our country, not just at the southern border or southern states that touch Mexico, but every single state in our, in our country. The cartels are, have been, have shifted, have evolved, to a point where the human traffickers and smugglers were a certain group of people, the coyotes. And you, you know, there were drug traffickers, there were drug organizations. I no longer refer to them as drug trafficking or drug cartels. They are foreign terrorist organizations. And that's what they should be designated as such. These, uh, these individuals, the Taliban, by the way, the Taliban is a terrorist organization, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All of a sudden, the Taliban seems to be some legitimate government. It is not. And I'll tell you what, the Taliban, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, have nothing on the Mexican cartels. Nothing. The Mexican cartels are brutal, a lot more brutal. And I could tell you the stories and I could show you the pictures of them playing soccer with human heads, taking hearts out of people that are alive and laughing in videos. That's what they do. They, I've seen the bodies hanging from bridges when I was assigned to Ciudad Juarez at the U.S. consulate. I've seen the bodies being dug up from the ground of these mass graves. There's currently 80,000 people missing in Mexico. Missing. Nobody knows where they're at. But let's talk about this invasion at the border. It doesn't surprise me that every time I do a presentation, there's always something new to talk about, even within a few days. Look at what's happening in Del Rio, Texas right now. This was in Del Rio. I took these pictures in Del Rio when I was there. I've been there a couple of months. I've been going through to the southern border on my own. After I wrote the book, I said, you know what, I gotta go down there. I'm gonna go see for myself what the heck is going on down there. And I did, I started going down there in March. I've been to Mission, Texas, to McAllen, uh, to Del Rio a couple of times. I've been briefed by the, the sheriffs of Valverde County, of Kenny County. I've uh, gone to El Paso, Hudspeth County, and really heard firsthand from the border agents that are beyond, beyond overwhelmed. It is a very difficult thing for uh, our agents on the ground to understand that this administration will not allow them to do their jobs. I was at the dentist, and I used this example the, uh, the other day. I was recently at the dentist's office, and dentist is a, is a patriot, and we talk a lot about, about the border, and she always wants to know what I'm up to. And I gave her the example as I'm there sitting with my mouth open. <laughs> I tell her, well, you're a dentist and you tell me right now that you see a cavity, Victor, you need a 
possibly a crown and, I, and all I tell you is, well, all you could do is massage my cheeks. What do you mean? Well, yeah, you're not going to be able to go in there and, and get the cavity out or do what you have to do. All you have to do is do everything that you can do except be a dentist. That's what our border agents are right now. Everything but border patrol agents. They are not patrolling the, the border. We have over 500 state police and DPS troopers, many from other states that have helped us. But I'm a realist, and I'm going to tell you how it is. And I'm, you can tell already I'm unafraid, and it's time for us to be unafraid as we approach and tackle this issue. Is It's unfortunate that the high presence of law enforcement hasn't changed anything on the border. We have over 10,000 people, from, mostly from Haiti, under a bridge in Del Rio, Texas right now. It started just a few days ago. It was at 4,000, 5,000. The report last night was over 10,000. These are just quick videos of people that we allow actually in through our own buses from Mexico into the United States. We, us, the United States government, putting them in buses straight to Del Rio. This is the old bush wall there in Del Rio, Texas. And you see the law enforcement, you see our troopers, you see the CBP, Border Patrol, the National Guard, uh, the sheriff. What's well, all great? It's fine. It's dandy. We have a lot of law enforcement, but what good does it do if they're just observing the individuals coming to our country illegally? There's no, no enforcement at the border right now, ladies and gentlemen. It is lawlessness. There is no enforcement of immigration law. There is no enforcement of Title 42, Title 42 being the pandemic, that we can re return these individuals because of COVID. Biden administration ignores that. There's no um, enforcement of the Remain in Mexico policy. Remember that? We just got an order by the Supreme Court of the United States ordering the Biden administration to reinstate this policy. Three weeks ago, actually today, four Saturdays ago today, it went into effect, ignored by the, by the administration, and that's why we have 10,000 plus Haitians. Oh, we're not gonna take single adult males. We're only taking family units. Really? Where are the children here? What good does that wall do if we open the gate? Now, I wanna open the gate to legal immigration because I'm a, I'm a product of it. This is, not, this is not legal immigration. This is lawlessness, as I mentioned. Oh, look at the border agents. Come on in. Look, at they're happy. They're happy to come in. Our buses, where are they going? Everywhere. Dallas, Houston, Minnesota, Michigan, New York, Portland, California, Denver. St. Louis, Chicago, Miami, Florida, 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 you name it. Oh, but not everybody's turning themselves in. We have a huge number of smuggling right now. Why don't they want to come in and turn themselves in if the Biden administration allows them? Why not? Because they're cartel members, because they have criminal histories, because they're prior deports that have been in our country convicted of serious sex crimes, violent crimes, have been deported, and they're coming right back. And so they get in the back of 18-wheelers. And this is off of I-35, uh, just south of San Antonio. 
Where are the children here? Now, we do have a big issue with unaccompanied children still in Fort Bliss. In horrific conditions. The Biden administration cares, and so it's a humanitarian cause, yet they have placed these people in worse conditions than where they came from. They'll get smuggled everywhere. Wearing camel, backup tractor trailers. Some of them die. I went down to the border just to prove a point that, in fact, our border is wide open. This is Hudspeth County. That's the Rio Grande River. Very little water. I worked many cases in my career in this area where it's wide open. I went to uh, El Paso, Texas, and Southern Park, to, uh, New Mexico. You see those uh, metal things there on the ground? Those are ladders that they use to jump the Trump wall that's behind me there. And I witnessed them at night, just jump that wall quickly. And I, I, Border Patrol was chasing them. It's the Wild West down there. Right now, uh, according to the sheriff down in Valverde County, there was about 384 stash houses of human beings. Now, if you, uh, you probably have never seen a stash house, and I've worked many stash houses in my career. They're the most, uh, it's unimaginable to see that if you would think of all these tables and chairs, and you would stack them in this room, as many as you, you could, from the back all the way to the front, up to the ceiling, that's how they stash the house. That's how they stash humans, just like they would stash drugs, just like they would stash any commodity. Because these cartels don't see them as human beings. So we have the smuggling problem. And, and, and guess what happens with the smuggling? We have so, so many uh, law enforcement present that they're interdicting a lot of these smuggling ventures on the street. DPS is encountering them. This is a rollover of 17 illegal aliens in this small SUV. One passed away. And uh, the next one I'm going to put, I don't put it for shock value. I put it for reality value. 24 individuals in this van, 10 dead. Those are dead bodies, ladies and gentlemen. This is happening in our southern border right now. But where are elected officials? Oh, the Biden administration. I talked to the Republicans. Let's get a little political, right, by the way. Uh, yes, do it, because it's time to get political. I'm not going to get political. Are you, are you political? <laughs> yeah, I'm very political. Um, I talked to Republican state reps. I've talked to U.S. Congress Republican reps. And they all do is throw the ball one at the other. The state rep says, well, that's a federal immigration, Victor. It's an issue with federal immigration. The state really can't do anything about it. Then I talk to the rep, the U.S. congressman, and say, what are you doing? Well, it's Biden. They control the House. We can't do anything. Those are not the solutions that I want to hear from our elected officials. If you have any doubt, as you sit there right now, that the state of Texas could do nothing about this, you're gravely mistaken. Our governor can put an end to it right now, but he won't do it. This picture is from three days ago. Three days ago, ladies and gentlemen, mostly Haitians. They showed a picture yesterday of where Del Rio, Texas is, and Haiti. They didn't get, there, they didn't get to Mexico yesterday. They've been in Central America and Mexico some for years. They were coming from Tapachula, southern Mexico, in a caravan of about 120 to 200,000. 
We have over 10,000, you just wait. Yesterday, I got a video of uh, 30 buses coming, more, from Mexico. And here's another issue. Why aren't our elected officials dealing with Mexico? The only one I remember dealing with Mexico is President Trump. What did he do? He negotiated the Remain in Mexico policy. Negotiated and threatened Mexico because that we are at this point that we must threaten our neighbor. Now, I understand. I worked there. I worked in Mexico. They don't like us. They don't like us. Take a good look at me. I'm a Hispanic American, first generation, and a proud American. Thank you. Uh, I'm proud to, proud to be born here. I'm born, born and raised in Texas. My parents came here legally. And it was a hard feeling for me to go through when I was assigned in Mexico because, you know, I speak the language. I know the culture. It doesn't mean that I don't like the culture. I ignore my culture. I love it. But we have to protect our sovereignty of the United States. The, the Mexican government is the first one to scream out the protection of theirs. About a year and a half ago, the DEA did a great job in arresting the highest level general ever, highest level public official, government official from Mexico, a general, a minister of defense, Sinaloa cartel member, corruption, money laundry charges. They got him at LAX with him and his family. Put him in custody, took him to New York, Southern T District of New York. Mexico had a fit. How in the world can you arrest our general without telling us about the investigation? Well, of course we don't tell him because it's very corrupt in Mexico. They said we had violated their sovereignty. And William Barr, William Barr released them. Mex Mexico said, Send them back to us. We will prosecute them. We will throw the book and the, the extent, fullest extent of the law, blah, 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 blah. Two weeks later, he's a free man in Mexico. But what about our sovereignty? What about our border? What about our state of Texas? They're using our state of Texas as a springboard to get everywhere else into the United States. And I know Jessica's going to talk a lot about this. We are being affected in every corner of our country. The, for sure, the criminal justice system. You see, it's a national security issue. It's a public safety issue. It's a school district issue. Where do you think these kids are going to end up? It's a healthcare issue. Most of these Haitians are positive for syphilis and HIV. We have a measles outbreak in Fort Bliss with the Afghan refugees that we've gone, we brought over. Oh, but the Biden administration is very clear to say, everyone is vetted. I've vetted people. I've vetted people. You cannot vet a person in five minutes. We had a convicted sex offender from Afghan be uh, brought in. We brought him in. This is what we're facing. In Indiana, in every suburb, you'll see these individuals show up. This is more pictures of, the, of them in a the video there that I got from my uh, sources. What are we going to do with these individuals? There's no one down there to say, you, you can't come in. This is not the, the, it's an irregular way to come in illegally. And they're crossing through the dam on top of the river there on the Rio Grande. And they're going back and forth to Mexico 
to buy, because it's cheaper to buy uh, sodas and, and food. And they walk right back, absolutely no border, ladies and gentlemen. I'm gonna tell you, I stood down there and I couldn't recognize our country. I, was, I went through a lot of emotions. I was embarrassed, I was uh, angry, and, and frankly confused as to why we're allowing this. And we must step up, we must step up. The governor says, I'm gonna build this facility. This facility is right next to Valverde County facility. It's a facility to process the individuals that we're gonna, we're gonna arrest them for criminal trespass. Yes, sounds good, huh? Well, there's 212,000 came in in July and 208,000 came in in August. I thought you were gonna arrest them from criminal trespass. Well, I arrested 300. <laughs> he put them in, um, you had to now give them a defense attorney. You had to, they prosecuted them, sending some of them to two weeks in jail in Dilly, Texas. We clothed them, we bathed them. We, and then guess what? After the two week sentence, who do you think we released, released them to? Border Patrol. But because there's a catch and release policy in effect, then we released them into the United States. Don't kid yourself. There is no enforcement of our border right now as I speak to you. There's your Abbott wall fence. It's a joke. National security. This is a family that I encountered in uh, Del Rio, Texas, boarding the same plane from Del Rio to DFW from Uganda. I had already interviewed them. They had already offered me the smugglers, uh, the cartel number and contact so I could smuggle my family over. Because of course I talked to them in a little bit more of an undercover capacity. I didn't tell them who I was. <laughs> and they boarded the same plane that I boarded, but without any identification. How in the world? How in the world? So I videotaped it. And um, you see that yellow envelope that the TSA agent is going through? Because when's the last time you walked up to, to TSA with a envelope to see if they allow, allow you onto the plane? No, you're ready with your boarding pass and your ID, right? No, these individuals say, I'm here. First, they stopped at the counter with American Airlines, they're complicit in it. The uh, TSA agent is uh, doing nothing because he knows that I'm videotaping it. That's right. So I confronted him. After he let him through, I asked him, I just want to know, what identification did this, these people here just show you to get on this airplane? And he immediately was very upset. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not gonna address that issue with you. I said, listen, I just wanna know what ID did they show you? Have you forgotten 9-11? You're the Department of Homeland Security. Who are you? Why are you questioning me? I said, first of all, I'm an American. Second of all, I'm a retired HSI agent and I wanna know because they're boarding the same plane that I'm boarding. Scan, scan your, so I scan my phone. I said, you know what? I'm not going to give you my ID. How's that? <laughs> he says, well, you're not going to get on the plane. Oh, so that's how it works, huh? That's how it is, ladies and gentlemen. It's upside down and backwards. You're not going to allow a U.S. citizen, a federally retired U.S. agent on the plane without an ID, but you just allow three people that got here from Uganda two days ago. There was no treacherous journey on the plane, you're out of control. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been here if, 
if I wouldn't have shown my ID. But who's giving them that directive? The Biden administration. We're in El Paso. This, this is uh, 10 days ago. I was in El Paso. Brand new backpacks, brand new clothing, brand new shoes. Now listen, we're humanitarian people. We're compassionate people. We're probably the most compassionate in this room. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about law and order, ladies and gentlemen. These people are being funded. But here's the issue that I bring really quick. This guy just killed a three-year-old U.S. citizen on a tricycle, an illegal alien. And I'm a big advocate of a big project called the Remembrance Project, if you want to look that up. They're the voice for victims at the hands of illegal aliens in this country. They remember them because we're talking about law enforcement officers, we're talking about people that have been killed violently either to, through a DUI or violently killed, shot at by an illegal alien in this country. Thousands of them. No one everybody thinks about them. Those are 100% preventable crimes. And they continue to happen. This is just two weeks ago. But I want to tie in a little bit really quick before I finish on Afghanistan. If you and I know how porous the border is, don't you think the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS does too? How many are they going to infiltrate through our southern border? These guys shave their beards, learn Spanish quickly, and integrate themselves through these groups. The difference is they have, you and I know, they have a very different ideology. They're not economic migrants. They have other issues and other uh, expectations when they come to the United States. This individual here, uh, the smiley guy, this happened here in Garland, Texas. If you guys are not aware of that, he called the Lyft driver, killed her, and then went up to the Plano Police Department and shot it up. Terrorist in Texas, a sleeper. He was under the FBI watch, but it was a sleeper. How many sleepers do we have in this country? But you know, this is what's happening. They're emboldened. They've woken up. Why? Because they saw the Taliban take over and win in Afghanistan. And they figure, well, if this administration is going to allow them, we're, we're going to be okay to act on our ideology. I just found this guy yesterday. Refugee from Syria. It's a, it continues to happen on a daily basis. Pled guilty in Pennsylvania. This is the issue that we have. We have judges that are ruling against uh, our immigration laws. There's a, a, a federal district judge in Nevada who ruled against a, what the law is, 8 U.S.C. 1326, illegal reentry. You've, you've been deported, you come right back, and now you're, you, we catch you. You're here for illegal reentry. It's an automatic two years in federal prison. You know what the, the judge said in Nevada? It's racist. How could you? How could you put him in jail just for coming back into the United States? So you can't charge him with illegal reentry. No one is being prosecuted. None of the people, the 10,000 that you see that are illegally in our country are being prosecuted for anything. The human smugglers, few here and there, some under the state, but the United States Attorney's Office, the Assistant U.S. Attorney's Office, is not prosecuting anyone. The Border Patrol will call them if, in fact, they have the chance. 
if in fact they have the manpower because over 50% of our Border Patrol personnel are processors right now. Over 50%. They just closed the checkpoints yesterday. Do you know how much we rely on checkpoints around our, our border to stop more illegal drugs and, and aliens? I'll leave you with this, and I, I'll mention uh, being unafraid, and it's a quote from a great president, Harry Truman. America was not built in f on fear. America was built on courage, on imagination, and an unbeatable determination to do the job at hand. We must continue to put the pressure on our elected officials from the local level, the school board, the city council, the county commissioners, our state reps, they're the ones affecting our life. These illegal aliens are going to come to your community, and who are they going to cite with? When all of a sudden they push your child aside because they have to teach the child that's coming, a 15-year-old is going to assimilate. And they don't speak even Spanish properly. They speak a dialect, and we have to teach them. The burden must be shifted. Why is the burden placed on the United States? Let's place the burden back on Central America and the rest of the world that is sending these individuals. So let me, let, me, let me end with this. I told you to take a good look at me because I'm a proud American. My parents came here legally. And I write this, this, this word in my book because you can't say this word right now under the Biden administration, and that's assimilation. You, right now, as I tell you, they cannot write this word on any document. It's a bad word because it's not a woke word, assimilation. My parents got married in Mexico. They came to the U.S. and got married in California, then came to Texas and got married in El Paso. If that's not assimilation, I don't know what is. Thank you very much. Can we talk truth about America? Can